Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome to the Washington Weekly Podcast on the UBS In The Now podcast channel. Our conversation today will cover everything from the latest up on Capitol Hill to both geopolitical and regulatory developments currently in focus. Joining me for the conversation is Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So, Shane, welcome back. Happy Friday. Thank you for joining us here on the podcast. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you. Hope you're doing well. Likewise. Thank you, Shane. So, I know there's a lot to cover. Maybe we can begin with what's happening up on Capitol Hill. Now, I know the Senate is slated to depart for their summer recess on Monday, so in just a couple of days' time. Yet, outstanding at this point are both the infrastructure plan, which we been covering here on the podcast for several weeks now, as well as the budget resolution. So, Shane, where do both of these items stand, and what's the likelihood that both pass through ahead of Monday? Yeah, no, I think that Monday date is possible, um, but I think it could easily slip till uh, midweek. I think there's a lot going on here. Um, you know, start with today, uh, which is Senator, former Senator Envy of Wyoming, his funeral. So, a lot of senators are going to Wyoming for the funeral. Um, to honor him and pay respects. So, you know, that's kind of taken a day away from them in some respects. And, you know, um, there is some 250 amendments pending. And obviously, they're not going to digest and go through and vote on all 250. um, But we have to see what kind of appetite they do have. And uh, that is just the bipartisan infrastructure bill. As you mentioned, there's also this uh, budget resolution that's... um, an overarching resolution of $3.5 trillion to tee up the budget reconciliation bill, which would happen later this fall. So um, there's a lot on their plate. I think they, you know, if they kind of all come together and move quickly, they can get it done by Monday. Um, but I think we're going to spill this into midweek. Okay, well, Shane, thank you for bringing us up to speed on that. I know there's bipartisan appetite to get something done. This is something the markets are focused in on as well. So we'll see what next week brings. Now, sticking with Capitol Hill, I know in Washington, D.C. this week, uh, we did see some protests erupt, and those did make their way up to the Capitol and resulted in several high-profile arrests, and the protests called attention to the Voting Rights Act. Uh, what's the significance? of the timing of these protests and can you remind us of what might come next with respect to voting reform i know we had a recently spoken about the for the people act which had stalled in the senate yeah no i think uh the protests this week which you're right you did see some the arrests of uh, a couple hundred people including elected lawmakers like you know congressman al green of texas um you know civil rights leader jesse jackson was all, also among those who was arrested you know, uh, these these protests are designed to try and uh, highlight uh, voting rights and and demonstrate the need uh, to moderate Democrats in the Senate that it's time to get rid of the filibuster um, because without action on the filibuster, there wouldn't there won't be probably any um, resolution uh, to this issue at least legislatively in Congress. You know, we're seeing states act and enact. Um, a variety of voting uh, bills, and those bills are um, all along the spectrum. You know, some are conservative bills, some are progressive, et cetera. So, you know, I think this effort in D.C. is um, in part to, to, to get things done quickly and push action right now. And why is it important for Democrats to act right now? Because 
you know, um, to have this in place before the 2022 elections, um, which is just around the corner. It may not feel like it, but in reality, it is really just around the corner because, you know, you have primaries coming up. You have um, uh, a lot of uh, action coming up in 2022 that lead up to the election. So, you know, this is important for Democrats to get done now. And if it doesn't happen now, it won't happen before the 2022 election. So they're feeling uh, the pressure to act right now. But I think as you and I have discussed, the reality is, is that um, it's unlikely that uh, the filibuster will be uh, removed and therefore we won't see any action in D.C. on this. So, you know, I think, you know, the pressure um, that was was arised by these protests is helpful to the cause of passing the bill. But in reality, as you and I have seen, there is just so much going on that a protest like this didn't get enough attention to um, to move the needle. Right. Well, we'll see what, if anything, materializes on this front between now and the midterms. But uh, thank you for shedding some light on these protests, and uh, we'll see if any momentum sparks as a result. Uh, maybe we can switch gears a bit, Shane, talk about how earlier this week we did hear from Securities and Exchange Commission or SEC Chairman uh, Gary Gensler. He did deliver a speech on cryptocurrencies, which, as one would expect, did receive a lot of attention. So what are some of the key takeaways from the speech and what kind of regulatory role might the SEC play in this context? Yeah, no, cryptocurrencies is uh, becoming a very big issue, you know, not only for investors, but for uh, Congress and regulators. Um, and SEC Chairman uh, Gensler, I think it was on Tuesday, um, you know, delivered this speech where he was saying that he actually needs more power, more authority uh, to oversee the crypto market. Um, I think you know, with what authority he does have, he's going to be as aggressive as he feels he legally can be on the issue. Uh, you know, he, uh, he he really feels that this is an area that the SEC must act um, and that, you know, crypto is um, uh, an asset that, you know, there needs to be a better level of security. So he's an intent on pursuing actions to, to, uh, rein in and pull uh, crypto into his purview. But he, I think he recognizes that, you know, there's a, a limit to his authority and wants Congress to uh, give him more authority. Now, you know, Congress is starting to delve into crypto in a variety of ways. You know, um, I don't know if Congress is going to go ahead and, and give him full authority to to regulate crypto at this point. Um, you know, Congress is just too, so divided. Uh, it could that sneak into a bill uh, that it gets across the finish line this year? Yes. Um, but I, it's too early to say that definitively. What I can say is that um, what we have not talked about in our previous calls was um, a week ago, this provision in, on crypto uh, got into the bipartisan infrastructure bill. Um, at the last minute, they need to raise some more revenue. Uh, so they're going to, uh, they've included this provision in the bipartisan infrastructure deal for. Um, information reporting on crypto assets from financial institutions. So this would theoretically close the, da- the gap uh, between, you know, uh, taxpayers who may not be um, fully honest about the earnings they have on cryptocurrency and and getting information reporting from financial institutions. So um, I think you see Congress starting to dip their toe into crypto issues. 
and there'll absolutely be more to come. I think the timetable and what form it takes is uh, what the fluid part is here. Yeah, it's interesting to see how crypto is becoming more so on the radar of government. I know crypto has been a big point of interest, especially over the past several months. So it will be interesting to see what comes from this and how Congress might act. So more to follow up on there. Uh, Maybe one final point we could hit on this week, Shane. This is delving into uh, the geopolitical side of things. I know the Biden administration this week approved its first arms sale to Taiwan, and the sale is currently labeled as a proposal. So what does the approval process here consist of, and how might China interpret this move by the administration? Yeah, so this is the proposed sale of, I think, about $750 million worth of equipment, and million with an M, not billion. Um, And we're talking about uh, 40 um, howitzers that are self-propelled, I think 1,700 kits to convert projectiles into more precise uh, GPS-guided missiles. So this is uh, important for Taiwan and also to try and um, show show unity between the U.S. and Taiwan uh, in in in, uh, in juxtaposition with China. You know, uh, you're right. This is a proposal. So the Biden administration has proposed the sale, but now it has to go through a congressional review process, and then uh, from there. Uh, Taiwan and the contractor here uh, that produces uh, these armaments uh, would negotiate the the final uh, details there. Um, So, you know, obviously this is not well received by China. China has already, you know, um, uh, announced countermeasures. Um, They haven't specifically announced what the countermeasures would be, but said that they're going to counter uh, based on this development. And, you know, this is not the first time we've seen China do this, you know, um, in previous times, they have uh, imposed sanctions on the def- on defense companies like Boeing and Lockheed Martin on Raytheon. So, you know, China, um, you know, it's to be expected what their reaction is here. You know, obviously, China, at the end of the day, what is their goal is to unify Taiwan and China. Um, you know, and you know, uh, at this point in time, China's aggressions um, should be taken seriously. You know, I think over in just last year, um, Taiwan's air defense uh, has uh, noted uh, several dozen incursions by Chinese warplanes. Um, and when I say several dozen, I'm not talking about, you know, 20 or 30. I'm talking almost 100 incursions. So uh, China has this very aggressive posture, and it is important to show China that, you know, the U.S., uh, along with other allies, stands with Taiwan in their freedom. Um, and, you know, as I feel like you and I say this all the time, but this will be another one that we have to continue uh, to follow over the weeks and months. And with this one, I would say years. Yeah, well, to that point, it sounds very retaliatory, a lot of back and forth between the U.S., China, and you have Taiwan caught up in the middle. So we'll say it again, can't say it enough times. We'll see how this plays out, though. Shane, thank you very much, as always, for dropping by the podcast, uh, covering all of the ground that you did with our listeners, our clients, and we'll look forward to picking back up again with the conversation soon. Have a great weekend, Shane. Thanks again. Thank you, Dan. Have a great weekend and talk to you soon.
Sounds good. Thank you, Shane. And again, today we've been joined by Shane Lieberman, Federal Affairs Manager with the UBS U.S. Office of Public Policy in Washington, D.C. So as a reminder to our listeners, our clients, uh, please be sure to reference the latest Washington Weekly publication, which can be located on UBS.com forward slash Washington Weekly. The Washington Weekly podcast is part of the UBS In The Now podcast channel, which is available where podcasts are found, including on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, and Pandora. Visit UBS.com forward slash studios to view the entire podcast offering as well as the new UBS trending video series. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at UBS.com forward slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services, Inc. is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA SIPC.